Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, it's the finale of Series 4 with Journey's End. And this week we have a very special guest uh, joining us later on, and that will be Chris Burgess from Radio Free Scaro. Uh, but first, the news. And unfortunately, we've yet to, uh, it's our sort of duty to report on yet another passing of uh, another actor from Doctor Who. And as you would all know, Mary Tam sadly passed away during the week from cancer at the age of 62. Um, I'm, I can't quite believe it, to be honest. No, I mean, I was, I was shocked because first find about you, I got a text from you. Yeah. Um, sign, and it was just like, no, can't believe that. Not, not somebody else now of that sort of standing from the show. It just seems I know. to have lost so many now in such a short period of time. Well, you know, it's been Nick Courtney, Liz Sladen, Caroline John, and now uh, Mary Tam, all from cancer as well. Yeah, um, which is it's just it's horrible. And you know, our thoughts and and um, are with her, her family and friends. At this time, so it's yeah, very very sad and a great shock to everybody. I mean, she really will be will be missed. Um, yeah, because the other thing, she was um, she just finished recording some Fourth Doctor Big Finish with uh, Tom Baker, uh, which will now be I think it's, it was due for release next year anyway, wasn't it? I yeah, understand. was it? Yeah, was it? Yeah, beginning of next year. Yeah, um, so obviously that will that's going to have greater meaning for everybody now. Really yeah. is. So, uh, yeah, very, very sad. Now, um, it's weird because we were actually, um, before we started recording last week, we were sort of talking about Mary Tam because we were thinking about doing something for a long, long time now, was doing a few specials on some of the Doctor's companions. And the first one we were going to do was going to be Romana 1. Yeah. Uh, We we still plan to do it. Um, We were going to do it in the next week or so, weren't we? But, Yeah. yeah, I think... We we both we had a bit of discussion before we start recording today, and we sort of decided to leave it till later in the year. Um, just we I think yeah, we don't think we're really going to do a fitting tribute to her, and to put it out as such, we'd have it'd be put out as such now, and perhaps actually a more fitting tribute would be for us not to do something. Yeah, we, we're not, well, I think so, yeah, we just want to we want to do a good a job of, of it as we possibly yeah. can. I think that's probably the the way we want to approach it now. So yeah. um, that that's why. That's why we're leaving it to later in the year so we can uh basically do it do it more justice. Yes. And do her more justice as well. So there we go. Um now the other thing of course, uh, the actor Jeffrey Hughes also passed away from um from cancer. And for those who don't know, Jeffrey Hughes played Mr. Popplewick in The Ultimate Foe, which was part of the... Um, oh, it's gone out of my mind already. I'm in such a state today. <laughs> well, Trial of the Time Lord season arc. So, oh dear, what's going on with me today? Um, yes, now, um, obviously, people might know him better from um, playing Onslow and keeping up appearances, or as Twiggy from the Royal Family. Um, it also was in some of the later series of Heartbeat as well. Um, but I will really know him as Eddie Yates from Coronation Street. Yes. As Stan and Hilda Ogden's uh, lodger. Which, even if you didn't watch the programme, you knew. You knew who he was. The yeah. character, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, but he had been sort of um, battling cancer for a long, long time. So, um, But it was understood he, he thought he'd um, beaten... It was prostate cancer he'd beaten in 2009. But a year later, it sort of... Um, it, he had a relapse, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, so very very sad week for um, for for well, basically for <laughs> actors in the world of Doctor Who, really, yes. and its fans. Really has been a very very sad week. Um, it's sort of difficult to try and find the words at the moment, to be perfectly fair. Yeah. Anyway, um, in sort of actually sort of in response to um, sort of the, you know Mary Tam and um, and Jeffrey Hughes, um, the DWO. I've put out a, a sort of link to a justgiving.com. Uh, now, if you don't, if you don't know who, who, what justgiving.com is, they, it's a sort of website where you can sort of set up your own sort of um, sort of charity fundraising things. And they've set up, up one for cancer research, and it's called Who Hates Cancer. So the full, the full URL is justgiving.com forward slash who hates cancer. So, and you can make any donations to what you want to uh, cancer research on there. Uh, so, yeah, we'll put the uh, website link 
um, up on the site uh, in this week's show notes. So if you want to make a donation, just click on the on the uh, on the link that we're going to provide. Uh, shall we move on to some other more more sort of uh, uplifting news? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, um, on the second of August at eight pm on BBC One, which is this Thursday, there is another trailer for Series Seven. Yes, that'd yes. be about right because I'm not going to be around. So. <laughs> I'll be the last person to see it. Well, don't worry because it, it'd be the usual thing for me when Doctor Who airs on the 25th of August. I won't be around, so <laughs> I'll be away again. So at least you just miss a trailer. Yeah, I missed the start of the series. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how much how much more they've got to uh, got to show because we we saw the the first trailer, uh, which was back in March, which. Just concentrated on which we now know to be um, the uh, Chris Chibnall dinosaurs episode and uh, the Western episode as well. Yeah, I mean that that's basically all they'd filmed, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And a little that's bit right. of the Dalek one. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, so who knows? We might get some more um, some more stuff to be uh, glimpsed at there. Um, so that's good. Excellent. Excellent. That's something to look forward to this week. Now the other thing that was. Um, Sort of made headlines yesterday was the uh, supposed inclusion of Doctor Who in, in the London 2012 Olympic opening ceremony. Now I didn't watch any of the ceremony at all because I've got quite a. Because you just get overexcited, don't you? I you do, just, don't I? Yeah, no, I, I. You didn't, I, didn't want to take it away from the scene, waiting <laughs> for the rest of the action to see it. Oh no, I've got a very, very strong anti-Olympic stance. I uh, so which I'm not going to go into on this podcast. It's not the place for it. Um, but apparently, people were tweeting uh, that they heard the sound of the TARDIS at one point. I think it was this. Now, reading this, it says it complimented Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, quite how that was uh, meant to key in, I don't know. Um, but it's since been clarified that um, a video montage of all 11 Doctors was approved by the BBC, but wasn't used in the end. Now, well, there was something quite a about when they were talking about what sort of music was going to be played. Yeah, there was talk that the Doctor Who theme was going to be included, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't say that because I've read since afterwards they they include the Doctor Who theme. Uh, Monty Python was another one that was going to be used. Uh, that also got dropped, and there was a couple of others that also. I got presume dropped those all well. in the same I'm, segment. So yeah. They all went yeah, I understand. So. Same way. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, the we... fact, fact that it started at nine and I think it finished at one, probably, you know, it was meant to finish at about quarter past 12. So mm. I suppose when they realised it was like going to overrun that much. I suspect all these things were planned. Then they did a sort of rough working out of the timings of how long the athletes would take to come in and do their little tour of the stadium. Well, yeah, you suddenly to... realised that this was going to go on too long, so oh, stuff so, had to be cut. Was it something like, so ridiculous, like 17,000 athletes or something, wasn't it? We Including all the training staff and... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a big, it's a big event. It There's is, It's going to be that yeah. many people. It is, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I think a lot of people were just disappointed they didn't get um, David Tennant to light the, uh, light the flame at the end. I know, as, as if though that was really going to happen. I, I know exactly. It's, it's I, th- I, th- I do think some fans get a little bit carried away with themselves sometimes. I really do. Um, yeah. It's not a Doctor Who event. It's an Olympic event. You can have some athlete. You know. Yeah. Like, I know. Mean, actually, like the... quite. I actually quite enjoy. I actually watched it and I actually quite enjoyed it. So I, a lot of people said um, they did. Yeah, they said it was it was a very very good. Um, you know, I, I think I I briefly switched over just as the or just before the Olymp- our, our the GB Olympic team walked out um, yeah that's that's about all I saw that's about all I saw so um, I quickly panicked when I saw people tweeting Pink Floyd and I thought bugger I've missed Pink Floyd reforming for the Olympics but it wasn't <laughs> there'd been a couple of mentions a couple of bits for Floyd earlier on as well they did this montage thing of starting off at the top of the River Thames and working its way down to London. Mm. And obviously, as it swoops down past Battersea Power Station, it goes past a flying pig. Oh, right, OK. There. OK. Oh, well. And they played time as it went past uh, the Westminster Tower and Big Ben. Oh, there's a little bit of a Pink Floyd theme going on then. Oh, well. Well, well um, 
Anyway, this isn't the Olympic podcast. <laughs> no, so or the Pink Olymp- Floyd one. Or a Pink Floyd one, but I could, I'm, I'm quite gladly talk about Pink Floyd, but... Uh, <laughs> Sod the Olympics for like <laughs> anything to stop you having to talk about what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> I, th- I think our guest feels the same way. <laughs> um, okay, and the last bit of news is uh, the Royal Mail have announced there's going to be some 50th anniversary stamps uh, released next year. Um, now, the first, it says on about the 8th of January is going to be the first one, but I don't actually know if that's been confirmed or not. Absolutely no idea. No, I've no. never had an interest in collecting stamps. No, honest. me neither. Me neither. So I'm but, not really well, sure on how these things work with when they release them and how nah. that goes. Nah, me neither. Me neither. Um, yeah, so, we go. so we've got no idea what's going to be on them at the moment. Um, so it's going to be a you know a surprise, but no doubt it will be uh, on some Doctor Who related website eventually. Uh, but apparently this is the first Doctor Who stamp we've had since the. Um, 1999. Yeah. Now, do you remember that one? No, not particularly. I Appar- have to say. Well, apparently, a Dalek was um, featured in a, a, a stamp set called the Entertainers. So, which which also featured. Uh, it's really nice. Freddie Mercury. You can understand. Was it a Dalek in cabaret? <laughs> <laughs> Straw hat and cane. I don't. Davros in a bowler. <laughs> He's astride the chair, not sitting in it anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah, Charlie Chaplin, which you could you know, understand, uh, a Dalek entertainment, uh, uh, in a certain degree, I suppose, but they kill people. And the other one's Bobby Moore. Mm. What's the other one? I- I've completely forgotten about those. Yeah. Considering it was... So I suppose it was like the end of the millennium stamps then, I presume, weren't they? I suppose so. Um, don't know. It just says it, it seems an odd time to release them on the 1st of June, but... Yeah. 1999, but oh well, never mind, never mind. Yeah, so there we go. That, that's it for the news this week. There's, there's um, obviously, um, the, so the main news has been sort of the sad passing of Mary Tam and, and now Jeffrey Hughes as well. So um, there you go, there you go. There's not not much else to report on, I'm afraid. So um, cut up very soon. Uh, Chris and Radio Free Scar will be joining us. So for another week, that was the news. <laughs> Okay, it's time to finish off our Season 4 retrospective. And this week we are joined by a very special guest, Chris Burgess from Radio Free Scarrow. Hello, Chris. Hello, Phil. Oh, aren't you glad to join us on this on this auspicious occasion? Uh, sure, yeah. This is my absolute favourite story ever, and I look forward to praising it to no end. Do you know what? You're a really bad liar. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm Canadian. We're we're very honest and truthful. Oh yes, yes, just like us here in Britain. Oh dear. Okay, right. As everyone knows, the uh, the the final episode of season four is Journey's End. Is Doctor, you will step forth or die. We'll have to go out because if we don't, they'll get in. You told me nothing could get through those doors. You've got extrapolator shielding. Last time we fought the Daleks, they were scavengers and hybrids and mad. But this is a fully-fledged Dalek empire at the height of its power. Experts are fighting TARDISes. They can do anything. Right now, that wooden door is just wood. Here we go. You're our special guest, uh, Chris. Go for it. What do you, after, all the, after all this time, what do you now think of Journey's End? Um... When I first watched it four years and change ago, when it first was broadcast, it mm-hmm. was loathsome, utterly loathsome. <laughs> um, I, unfortunately, time has passed, and I don't know if I've become immune to it or I've started to like it, but I just literally just finished watching it before we started recording, and uh, mm-hmm. it was not as dreadful as I remember, and I don't like that. Oh. I like hating things. <laughs> Of course, we've seen the end of time since then, which sort of takes. Uh, yeah, well, thankfully, I mean, that's not one I've revisited of late, but uh, oh, we have. whatever. Whenever I've it's looked sort of, at that, whenever of, I've looked at, oh, yeah, sorry, right. <laughs> when, whenever I've looked at the end of time, it's 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 still held up as as utter utter bollocks. So it is, it is utter bollocks, actually. Um, now, why why do you think this is now 
sort of time has sort of been a bit kinder to Journey's End for you? What what is it about you don't loathe so much anymore now? I honestly don't know. Uh, I think I think it's just immunity. As I said, um, Russell T. Davis's writing is not something I've ever been fond of, with rare exception. Yeah. And uh, I think I've just, especially thanks to End of Time, I think I've just learned to take what he throws at the audience and just just cope. You know, <laughs> try not to judge it or mm. rip it apart so harshly. And 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 you know, this this thing had a what audience appreciation of ninety one. And yeah, right. people must have liked it out there. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, well, I, well, <laughs> I well, just didn't understand how it got 91 at the time. Well, I, I think I can probably answer that question. And that was the, the, uh, the ending from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. It was that regeneration because nobody saw it coming. They kept it complete. We discussed this last week, didn't we, Paul? It, it, was, yeah. it was at the time. It was, wow. Everyone was, even non-Doctor Who fans were talking about it. It was even on the news, oh, yeah. it was on the news over here as well about, you know, are we going to get a new Doctor? And they were thinking, is this going to be the biggest surprise ever in Who history? Or are we going to get ripped off? And we got, <laughs> and and we got ripped off, didn't we? We yeah. got ripped off, yeah. Yeah, big time. That's, that's one of the unfortunate aspects of Journey's End is you've got this, this amazing lead-in with so, much, so many questions and, and, and so many directions it could take, and there's such a cheat. You it know, is. the the resolution to most cliffhangers is a cheat. That's just the nature of of the beast. But this is such a cheat on all levels, on all on all three of the cliffhangers as well, wasn't it? Were just mm. answered awfully. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. Just, it was just such a a, a, a cop out. I, I, I really don't know if. And I always come back to the RTD where he's always had he's always had these ideas in mind, or it just sort of like, well, the doctor's hand sitting on the floor there. Can we can we make some use of it? And he, oh, I've got a great idea, and just chucks it into the script and see if it works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that if that's right or um, I'm doing the man a vast disservice. I've got absolutely no well, idea. Apparently, no. He did have the idea from early on when the hand was first brought back into the show that he could use it to create another doctor. What just uh, just for Rose? Yes, apparently oh, he wanted oh. it as the parting gift of the oh of of the tenth Doctor was to... not not only that. There's also the the deleted scene where the Doctor gives Rose a piece of the TARDIS so she can grow her own. Her own. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's that's the only saving grace about this is they actually cut that out. I think wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I think you're right. Um, that really was a step too far. Really, um, I think just having the whole. Second Doctor was a step one one step too far, and that would have been another step too far. So um, yeah, actually, I can I can get behind the idea of of having the hand there as a plot device. I thought it was fairly well used in Utopia as a, yeah, a Doctor yeah. locator for Jack, but uh, yeah, this this went a little little too far. Yeah, definitely. Um, now the other thing, the other thing with that, with the I was sort of skipping around a little bit here, but the. The whole thing with with the hand also introduces a we've always said the second doctor or, or the the half human doctor, and also the doctor Donna, as well. Um, now, I, when I was because I was watching it today as well, and I still don't buy. And actually, I say st- still don't buy. It was just particularly the day it really great. The whole doctor Donna thing really grated on me, and I think it's probably more to do with Catherine Tate's performance more than anything else. It was just a little bit too. Uh, that to put it, it was just a little bit trying to be a bit too, you know, clever. If you know what I mean, it was just mm. the way, way she was acting. It was sort of, it was, it was cocky, and I just didn't like it. Well, I suppose it was the the fact of where she'd gone from being the non-confident, I'm no good at anything, and I'm just use this temp from Chiswick and whatever, to then be, I'm virtually a time lord. The the cockiness it, it does great, uh, but. I would I would never ever put the fault on Catherine Tate's shoulders. Um, I I I am not a David Tennant fan. Never have been. Never will be. And one of the things that really annoys me about his portrayal of the Doctor, and I don't know how much is him, how much is RTD, uh, but uh, the 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 cockiness of the Tenth Doctor just really gets to me. And Catherine Tate was just channeling Tennant's portrayal of the Doctor. Mm. So it's 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 certainly within character for it to be done yeah I just think 
it sort of ruined the characters for me because I actually really like the character of Donna Noble and I think Catherine Tate has was pretty much been pretty solid all the way through this season until she beca- for me anyway until she became the Doctor Donna and then it just ruined it for me because I, I think the, the the character was doing fine on its own and growing on its own without the introduction of being part time Lord. I can I can understand that, but on the other hand, um, as as was set up in in the uh, the gap year, you know, the Doctor rises so high and he'll never fall fall so much more, and and mm. the same thing happens with Donna, I suppose. You know, she she gets elevated and then her character comes crashing down and in possibly one of the saddest arcs ever for a character in in, in New Doctor Who. Yeah, in, I, in Doctor Who in general. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um... Because I say, as I said, you know, the character was growing. I thought it was a really good character progression, and she was really developing. And then, as you, as you say, to have that all, everything she's experienced and, and what she'd become just snatched away from her, and she'd been basically been reset. Um, mm-hmm. You know, rather than actually, I just sort of suddenly occurred to you, rather than RTD resetting the universe as he usually does, he just reset a character. Well, he resets the universe again as well, but mm. but uh, so yeah, Wolf, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Wolf even says how much better the do- that uh, Donna was with the Doctor, and, and uh, it's it's so true. I mean, she goes back to she goes back to her old way of of you know she she missed the Sycorax ship and she missed you know everything that happened with uh, uh, anything in her life that that pertained to the the. Uh, mythos of Doctor Who, and then she goes right back to that, and it's it's really really sad. Just because she was such a great character, she had such a build up. She changed from this this you know temp from Chiswick that had no confidence to somebody who who could do almost anything, and then back to square one. And it's it's really sad to see it happen, just because she has no. I guess it would be sadder if she realized what happened and then still got reset. So it's it's not so bad, maybe, but it yeah it was very uh, it's just still very tough to see. Yes, it is. It is actually. I, I did think um, we were actually sort of saying just before we started recording, um, we're sort of briefly saying, "Oh, you know," I mean, Paul was saying, "Oh, what do you think?" After all this time, just briefly trying to gauge each other's reactions before we started recording, um, and we both we basically both said it was the whole episode is pretty you know, dire, until you get to the bit where they've left everybody behind. It's just back to the Doctor and Donna in the TARDIS, and then he gets better again. Um, mm-hmm. And it, that that small, small-scale ending, as it were, um, it it worked, really. And at that bit, Catherine Tate's performance was good again, when she realised what was happening to her. I With think, all the stuttering and repeating and everything, yeah. Yeah, and the, the realisation that, you know, she was, this was basically going to fry her brain, and all the time, she said, "I don't want to go back. I cannot go back to what I, you know, what I was and before that." So, yeah, it was it was sad. It was very, very sad, actually. So, um, but anyway, that, that's we we sort of touched on sort on some stuff we like there, haven't we? We have, we uh, have. one yes. one one <laughs> one aspect. Uh, I think the of any saving graces this this uh, two parter may have. Graham Harper is is the biggest saving grace, and his his direction is just fantastic and phenomenal and beautiful and yeah i think without that this thing would have fallen apart even more than the story um <laughs> i think did. you're right i think you're absolutely right um i think that there's graham harper and also um julian bleach as davros oh as yes well. absolutely julian bleach as well Do you, was he the first or is this still the only major guest star to be in all three series uh i think he's the first and only isn't he uh might be. I can't recall off the top of my head. I mean, l- thinking back to um, Out of the Rain for Torchwood, his his performance mm. there is phenomenal, and and even as Davros. I mean, you don't obviously you can't see him as as Davros, but he's no. remarkable. I think probably the best Davros since Michael Wisher. Oh, definitely, absolutely, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, I think he <laughs> he sort of captured Wisher, and when he got to the ranty scenes, he it was very sort of Terry Malloy. But he, he wasn't sort of quite as over the top as Terry Malloy could be when he went into a full on rant mode. Yeah, he, he, he <clears throat> sorry, uh, he had the 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 quiet yelling. I don't know how to better better say it, but he was all always very subdued, but still very fierce. Oh God, yeah, 
Yeah, it was. Um, that's why I like it. It was the whole. Um, I think the scenes that did did kind of work were when he was sort of taunting the doctor um, when he first um, sort of captured Rose when he first had down his, in his sort of vault or cellar, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's, he's basically just trying to push all the doctor's buttons, really, wasn't he, to get him mm-hmm. get him out. And I, I, I quite like the way Julian Bleach played that. I really like the way this little slow... He moved... When the Doctor wasn't biting, he moved on to Rose. And it was that devious conniving side of Davros I really liked. One one thing that's always interesting to me is Doctor Who is, is different for everyone who watches it. And thanks to having people like RTD and Stephen Moffat behind the reins of, of the show, mm. they've got their own take on everything. And it's it's really interesting to see... The whole um, Davros, you know, saying how the Doctor never carries a gun, never has a weapon. He mm. just takes people and transforms them into weapons. And at the time, that's not a not a take on the Doctor I ever had. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, holy crap, he's he's right. This this yeah. is what happens. And I love that perception, that insight that everybody differently brings to the show. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that's never ever been. Uh, touched on before, had it at all by any of them? It was just sort of um, well. I suppose that's that's the way sort of things are now. I mean, back in the old days of Doctor Who, it, it was sort of the Doctor was the hero. Uh, you're waiting for him to solve the problem each week. But now, um, since it came back in 2005, you never really know if it's the Doctor's going to be the one to save the day, or it's going to be his companion. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the one to save the day, and it's sort of um, I, I don't know whether I necessarily like that all the time because I think especially when in Eccleston's, um, especially his opening episode, it was Rose that saved the day. And I know it's all, it was all meant to be about Rose and it was from her point of view, but um, I don't know whether that's why a lot of people didn't like like it when it sort of, there was a lot of sort of naysayers about it, you know, because it, it wasn't like old Doctor Who. You know, the Doctor saves the day, not the companion. And I, I don't know, maybe, but I think that was its payoff, to be honest. This episode was, was the payoff to that. Oh, it was a payoff to four series of of Doctor Who in general, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, now, Paul, you've I mean, been very, it, very quiet. It was almost so. as if, really, this was RTD saying goodbye to the, the the show, wasn't it? Despite the fact that we knew we still had the four specials to come. Yeah, and, um, and that's 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 one thing that really grates on me about the end of time is he has you know he takes fifteen twenty minutes of Journey's End to play out the. The goodbyes and uh, setting up character arcs, like uh, you know, it looks like Mickey is going to go off and join Unit or Torchwood rather with with mm. Martha, and you know, but that doesn't happen. But um, he, he's got all this time; it takes all this time to to set up these characters and say their goodbyes, and then he does the same damn thing again a year later, oh, year God. and a half later. Yeah, well, that's a <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty much a sort of goodbye from. You know, all the characters, him, the production staff, that was just a big, you know, loving, basically, wasn't it, for, for everybody involved in Doctor Who? Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not the audience, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay, right. Well, anyway, getting back to um, getting back to Journey's Ends. Um, we've touched upon the stuff that we, we kind of like. Um, what really, really grates on you in this story? The um, Daleks. The, the Daleks. Daleks are so easily destroyed yet again. Yeah, they are. What are you going to say then, Paul? Yeah, it's just it is just the fact that how easy it was to to to, to solve the problem. It's just you'd almost have rather they'd used the Osterhagen key or something like that to have done it rather than the actual solution you had. Well, that came to nothing as well, didn't it? Mm-hmm. The whole Osterhagen key. They kept building it up and how you know how. You know, no one must ever use the Osterhagen key. And when it sort of came to it, it was just sort of, oh, that, that's it then. It's all sort of um, quickly forgotten about. Well, not so forgotten about, but, you know, quickly dealt with. There was no tension or build-up for it. Um, she, You know, Martha got teleported out. The key got left behind. I don't quite know how, but um, since she was holding on to the damn thing. but And then it was just... Yeah, all, all her clothes went with her. Why not the key? Yeah. I bet Warren was um, sad at that point. When... <laughs> Uh, what, so, something something that that's really <laughs> terrible about this as well is there's there's so much rehashed um, concepts if nothing else R- R- RTD 
as everyone's well aware, likes the big the big finales uh, oh, yes. with the, the yeah. crappy resolutions. But <laughs> he, he keeps having to up the game, and you know these these massive stakes every every season finale, and we had that in. Uh, Last of the Time Lords, and again here we've got the same tropes. Well, I don't tropes, maybe not the best word, but um, we've got the same concepts of the massive red herring in mm-hmm. uh, Last of the Time Lords. It's that you know the the gun in four parts, and here it's the Osterhagen key. And we've got Jack Jack's contribution being dying so he can go somewhere else and resurrect and and keep going, and yeah. it it just got a little tiring. Yeah, it did. Um, actually, why? He mentioned sort of uh, Jack being exterminated. I just wonder how he managed to keep in his gasp when he burst back into life again. Yeah. Because that's been well, been well established. That always happens. It does. And it's, it, it, it's not like Jack is out of the room or something when he comes back because you see him wink at the doctor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just didn't It just didn't work. It just, it just seems to be loads of um, sort of contrivances to, to, to move on to the next sort of part of the plot and that would then sort of okay jack died okay it could be used but it was used badly Mm -hmm. and they just forgot all about the what they actually set up already um in torchwood and also in doctor who as well um you know we we sort of complain about this um when when we're discussing uh turn left and also stolen earth as well is that they Brought back in sort of characters from Torchwood and Sarah Jane and made them completely useless without the doctor yeah. without the doctor being there, which completely undermines their own shows. Well, look at uh, look at uh, um, uh, Gwen and Yanto. I mean, as far as Journey's End is concerned, they're in there for like ten seconds. Basically, they're they're barely in there at all, and the you know they've got this time lock to protect them from the Dalek. You're talking, you know, you mentioned the uselessness of their characters. Their protection, their, you know, their protection from the cliffhanger is something that Toshiko came up with. It's not even something they did. I know. Um, and it's not even something that's been previously mentioned, is it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I must admit, I was never, ever a big fan of Torchwood. I never watched it um, religiously. Um, no, it was put in there with a the throwaway line. Oh, I know she was working on it, but I didn't realize she perfected it. Oh, yeah, exactly. That that and that was the first mention of it, wasn't and that it? was it. My God, it's like bloody Scooby Doo, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And I mean, the other thing, I mean, even Sarah Jane gets her own little um, sort of sort of plot contrast as well with the Warp Star. Mm-hmm. Um, now, wasn't that given? To, was that the thing that was given to her in? Oh, what was her the pilot one for Sarah Jane? I've forgotten. It was something of the Bane, wasn't it? Invasion of the Bane. Invasion of the Bane. Yeah. Um, yeah, now all of a sudden it's this, this sort of an explosion waiting to happen. Um, I thought, no, I just don't, I just don't buy that. I can't see Sarah Jane carrying that around with her. It does seem kind of to to kind of go against what she would do. That being said, I I have no problem with with the presence of the warp star because no, no. that's it, it. It's fine within Doctor Who continuity, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe maybe not in Sarah Jane's continuity though. Maybe not in Sarah Jane's continuity, and just like the Osterhagen key, it's it's just yet another red herring. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, um, another thing that sort of sort of, sort of puzzled and it puzzled me today actually um, was when they dropped the TARDIS into the, um, the 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 core of the the Crucible, and then the Second Doctor grew out of his uh, the remains of his hand. Um, now, I, I thought it was established beforehand there was no power in the TARDIS. The defenses were down. Yeah, but uh, there was nothing about there being no power. Because I thought you said there was no, got no power, no defenses. When they put the uh, that ring around to transport it back up to the crucible, so all the power went down in the TARDIS, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I presumed what what the story was there. The minute it hit the center, they then stopped blocking or whatever the control was that they'd put around the TARDIS was stopped. Because they thought it had already been destroyed, and that, in that split second, the other doctor managed to dematerialize it and yeah, because that, that was rematerialize. Yeah, because outside. That was the, yeah, because that was the point I was going to say. Is if there was no power, how the hell did he dematerialize? But now I can't remember if everything was switched back on again when it dropped into the. Uh, into I the think center. that was meant can't to be remember. the idea. 
I'd have to say that I'd like, quite like him to come around and tidy my place up because he got that TARDIS spick and span very quickly, <laughs> didn't he? You <laughs> had the explosions and the fires and whatever. Yeah, and if, got changed, and it was <laughs> every single light bulb was fixed. <laughs> yeah, every. <laughs> have, despite having just finished the the darn thing before we started, um, I, I can't remember if the power was off or not. But it, it's kind of contradictory if if the you know once once the the ring was removed from the TARDIS, once it was dropped into the Z neutrino, blah blah blah. Hmm. Um, how if the power is back and therefore the defenses are back, thus protecting the TARDIS from being destroyed right away rather than waiting thirty seconds? Why would um, you know how 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 is the TARDIS going to get destroyed in the first place if the defenses are back up? Exactly. Why not? You could just sort of quite happily stay there, couldn't you? If they've if they've taken that block off, as it were. You would think so. So what's yeah. what's the point of 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 the the MacGuffin of the TARDIS being destroyed, or you know the the countdown from ten rels for the destruction of the TARDIS if the defenses are back up and it's going to be fine anyway? Mm. Although I actually said that it had enough trouble in stolen Earth going one second in time, didn't it? So perhaps it's not as good as it was. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We said that last week, didn't we? Sort of had, had, had the TARDIS that can travel in time have so much trouble going forward one second in time. I know it's meant to be a bit out of sync, but it just it was what we said last week, the, the Doctor's um, lights. We're going, we're travelling through time, you know. No shit, you know. That's what the TARDIS does. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just little things like that, just sort of, that, that's, I think that's what ruins it, really. I, I know we're, we're sort of, we watch it because we're all, we're all podcasters, we all sort of watch it. And I don't really, because I want, I want to like it, I really want to like it, but all the way through it, I'm just, nitpicking all the way through and now I just can't help myself really and especially when it comes to this story because I think there's so many things to nitpick at well there's very little you sit back and you think oh that's clever or I like that really so you're gonna end up just picking the the holes in what's left aren't you mm, yeah I know I, I know for me the only things that I sat back and, and said oh I like that were a couple of the humor uh, inserts. Uh, one being, you know, they're all around the TARDIS console, and Jackie's got nothing to do, and the Doctor's like, "Oh no, you just just don't touch anything, not you, no." Yeah. And um, Sarah Jane hugging Jack, and Donna throwing her out of the way to, <laughs> yes. to take yes. her place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did like that. That was good. That was good. Um, apart from so, apart from those little things, it was the whole. I mean, again, really, it was just sort of um, the end of the day. It was just another excuse to bring. Rose and the Doctor back together, wasn't it? Um, yes. So, what and do it we... so didn't need it either, did it? Really? No, and I don't know. And I, well, we we said this for the last couple of weeks because Rose has been in the last uh, the previous two episodes. Um, by this point, I just sort of got oh enough of Rose. I don't well, know if you've, I don't know if you feel the same way, Chris. You know, it was it sort of like she's she's had her time. Oh, Rose more than had her time. I never liked Rose to begin with, and I was I was more than happy to see her go in in Doomsday and uh, even an Army of Ghosts. The the pre credit sequence for Army of Ghosts, you know, she mentions this is the day I die. Yeah. Oh, I felt cheated at the end of Doomsday when she didn't die. <laughs> but uh, were you punching the air at that point? Were you? <laughs> She's going to die. I Get was him. so hopeful, so hopeful. <laughs> but uh, it, it's not just Rose's return; it's also Billy Piper's poor portrayal of Rose. She forgot how Rose spoke after two years. Yeah, we said and, exactly yeah. the same thing in the last couple of weeks. It, it was always if they she's forgotten how to play Rose and it was always they've forgotten how to write Rose as well. And she's not done any favours by the fact that we've just had a full series of Catherine Tate who's actually playing a companion that is actually brilliant. Mm-hmm. That mm. you then suddenly get reminded of of Rose and then actually Billy Piper not doing it very well either. And pining after the Doctor again as well, which just, I don't know. I've got no, I've got no problem with the Doctor having um, relationships or falling in love or anything like that. I've got absolutely no problem with that. It's just the fact it's Rose that, 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 <laughs> that grates on me. Um, and well, it, as opposed to you. <laughs> some jealousy coming out here? <laughs> Damn, you've let out my secrets, you bastard. Um, no, it's, it's... Oh, they'd be revealed at the end as the prophecy told. <laughs> Phil you? is a tenant fangirl. Who the hell are you, Dalek Khan or something? <laughs> you sodden prophecies, Christ! 
No, I actually come actually come the end. I wasn't a, um, a a massive fan of David Tennant. I've got to be perfectly honest. Come the end, I thought when he first started, he was brilliant. Um, you know, it was a complete antithesis of what um, Chris Freckleston's Doctor was like. But come the end, it was getting a little bit too much and a lot of uh, shouty acting from him, a lot of teeth grinding, and you know, it, it just sort of wore, wore a bit thin for me. Come the end. Until you get something like uh, Waters of Mars, which he was brilliant in. Absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of, I, you know, we've we've discussed that one on here before, and it, we just cannot fault that whatsoever, or, or David Tennant in that one for, for that matter. Um, yeah, but yeah, but in this, it just sort of, but it, it's the whole thing with him and, and Rose, and it's just sort of enough. I've had enough of this now, and and that's the one bit. The really was the one bit I wasn't looking forward to when revisiting we've had these episodes. That thing before. Yes, we've had the goodbyes, haven't we? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just this time he, she gets to keep a doctor. So long as Rose is happy, that's I, I just don't get this fascination with she's got to have a happy ending. I think that's just TV in general. I mean, it, it's it's not a downbeat show overall, no, so not, I no. can understand them wanting to give her a happy ending. I don't want to see her have a happy ending because I hate her and would like to see her <laughs> fry in a fire, but. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I, it's it's the industry more than anything else. I would say. Do you know? I was actually hoping that a similar sort of fate for Jackie. When they, when they were testing the reality bomb, when she, what, that she would she would get killed. Yeah, because she was grating on me as well. I never liked the character of Jackie that much either, and I've, I've never been one for those sort of, um, you know, those in your face sort of characters. Mm, bullshit, you know, yeah. bullshit um, characters. Yeah, I've never, never been a fan of that, and and I thought that that's why I like Donna because Donna was bullshit, but she grew up, as it were. But Jackie was Jackie. You know, she never, <laughs> yeah. she never changed. You know, um, and I was sort of kind of hoping that you know the first time I watched it, and even today, when I, even I've seen it plenty of times in between, um, even today I sort of wish you'd gone. Don't don't escape. Get die with them when they test that bomb. You know, and I just I just can't help myself. But <laughs> really, and it's that whole thing when she appears with um, Mickey when they arrive at the exact point in time to save Sarah Jane from being exterminated, and she says, "I'm I'm Jack." And she's Todd. now a crack shot as well. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but is that I mean is that one woman you would trust with a gun? No, it, 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 lucky she didn't blow the car up, wouldn't it? Oh no, it's true to form. They wouldn't let us fly the TARDIS under supervision, and she's carrying a gun that can blow a Dalek up. I mean, come on, you know. Um, no, it's just that bit, you know, when she's when she first appears. I'm Ro- I'm, I'm Jackie I'm Rose's mum. Now, where the hell is my daughter? And I thought, shut up. I just <laughs> I just get so annoyed with that that whole that whole Jackie as you as you say bolshiness, you know. Um, oh, never mind, never mind. I'll get over it one day. <laughs> I suppose she needed something to do, so that's well, as good as anything, I suppose. Well, I suppose so, but it's just the fact that she didn't have anything to do, did she? You almost get the feeling there was going to be somebody else playing that character, and they couldn't get them, so oh, she's available, so we'll just give her that role for that bit. They needed two people to appear to shoot the two Daleks. and It, it would have been more believable if it was Pete. Yeah. I, just I, don't, bet, know, yeah. I don't know why, because Pete doesn't really have... A history of, of you know playing with guns or anything like that, but I don't know if it's some sort of um, <clears throat> some sort of expectation of traditional gender roles or, or something like that. But it, it would have felt less out of place were it Pete. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, it's sort of it's uh, just the fact yeah. that all the way through her character has been pretty much useless and accident prone. Yeah, not being able to do anything right, and suddenly arrives and is um, gonna take on the Daleks. It's the last person you'd have taken if you'd been Mickey, isn't it? Really, I would think so. Yeah. Well, I suppose they sort of they, they sort of turn Mickey's character around, which I haven't, I haven't got a you know, I haven't got a problem with that to be honest, because I, I I always thought Mickey got a bit of a bit of a bum rap um, to begin with. So it was sort of I sort of quite like the fact he was sort of standing up for himself and um, sort of you know being on the front line, as it were, and sort of trying to move off from from Rose. Well, that's sort of a continuation from from Doomsday, but uh, Mm. speaking of Doomsday, rather than having Jackie, why would Mickey not take, I can't remember the character's name, Andrew Hayden Smith, uh, um, 
Jake. Jake, that's uh, it. Why, yeah. why not bring Jake with you? Yeah. Yeah, considering he was, uh, well, he was one of sort of like the freedom fighters, wasn't he? In the alternate universe. Yeah, yeah, it would have made more sense. But it was just like a greatest hits episode, wasn't it? To be honest. It was was bringing, it was, well, I say greatest hits character wise, you know, bringing back all the, you know, just about every single sodding character that Russell T. Davis introduced, companion wise, um, or if you want to call it the Doctor's extended family. you know, you brought them back in a, in a great big companion mashup at the end. So whether it, I don't think it really worked either. No, in 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 live journal vernacular, uh, I've heard one person describe the uh, journey as as a crack fic, which is the definition of which is basically just something so out there, so crazy, and for it, it, it exists for no reason other than to be audacious. Hmm. I think that's probably a good a good summing up of it, to be honest. He certainly tried to be audacious with it. Um, I, I think, from my point of view, it didn't didn't really come off. No, but then it it really never will. It, it's just one of those one of those paradoxes where something that might seem like a great idea on paper can never be realized the way it's imagined. No, even if you've got sort of like some you know some I don't know. I mean, you know, they are sort of decent actors you've got a fantastic director there as well um as you say those ideas sound great on paper um but in execution never quite how you imagine it and i think that's probably i don't know if you would you agree that was sort of rtd's one of his major failings that he would he would sort of whatever he he could try and get away with he would do rather than sort of like exercising a bit of self-restraint i think to a certain extent when you're in as much of a powerful position in the show as he was when you're basically writer, script editor, producer, it's very much a case of, oh, I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, and and, yeah, and, and yeah. a character like he is, it, he's gonna, he wants to push it, he wants to be big, he wants to do everything. That's, that's one of the biggest problems with RTD is, I mean, he's obviously a capable writer. He wouldn't hmm. keep getting employed if he wasn't. That's right. But it's the lack of restraint and... Not just the lack of restraint, but the lack of others around him to restrain him. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if I mean he uh, he won't do it, but if he actually did an episode, wrote an episode now with Stephen Moffat as script editor, producer above him, what we'd get? Well, we 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 sort of had that. I mean, not with not with Moffat, obviously, but in the Sarah Jane Adventures, he wrote for Matt Smith and. What was written for Matt Smith seemed very much in character with Moffat's vision of Matt Smith. Mm. So I, I, I think RTD, were he to come back, would probably do – as far as characterization goes, I mean one of RTD's strong points is characterization. Always has been, always will be. That's, that's one of his best facets as a writer. He, his plotting, you know, he can't plot his way out of a wet paper bag, but he can write <laughs> characters that are so believable and so fantastic that I think I think he would do fine if he came back. Yeah, it's just then having somebody above him saying, perhaps you can tone that down or that doesn't really work and can we come up with something different there, which I don't <sighs> think perhaps he's had. And certainly not with the end, the, the final episodes of series. He hasn't, doesn't seem to have had no, but by the same token, Moffat would never let anybody write a series opener or a series closer. But uh, even no. e- even on even on the Sarah Jane Adventures, I mean, he's still executive producer. He still had write. Well, Phil Ford is technically head writer, but st- uh, you know, RTD still had all the power on uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. And Death of the Doctor was it was silly, but it wasn't as over the top. Um, maybe it helps that it was right in the middle of the series. I don't know. Well, I think it it worked good for children's television. I think it was a really, really good script for it. Which, and certainly, that's not you know, um, sort of a bit around the bush. Sarah Jane is or was and is um, a, a, a show for children more more so than Do- Doctor Who's more of a family orientated show now. Um, Sarah Jane is just purely for kids. It's on, on a, in a time so even though I used to record it and watch it myself when I got home from work, you know. Um, but that, you know, it's by the by. But I, I, I think. If RTD was to come back now, I think he would be pretty much given a free reign to do to do what he likes, as Moffat was allowed to. 
Because Moffat's, Moffat's scripts were the only ones that RTD didn't touch. Uh, actually, that's not true. There are four writers, and it's it's not that it's not that they weren't touched by RTD. It's that the writers and who was it? It was Matthew Graham, Moffat. I think Tom McRae was one, and there was mm. a fourth one. Um, it, it's not that RTD couldn't touch the scripts. It's that the individual writers had final script approval. Right. Okay. So yeah, I've sort of misinterpreted that then. So, but am I right in saying the others though that RTD had the final? Because he's, you could tell he'd, he's, he's sort of his influence was over quite a few of the other scripts, and you could, it was noticeable as well. In yeah, or or to hear RTD tell it, it, it's not just him getting final script approval; it's him rewriting the thing. Like, you know, James Moran being credited for Fires of Pompeii, but RTD is saying that he wrote about ninety five percent of it. So. Yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah. Um, now, I honestly thought that um, people like Moffat, they, what they submitted was pretty much it. But um, no, I, I sort of stand stand corrected on that one. Stand corrected. Um, I, I say I don't want to be sort of like a big down on RTD because if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't have had the show back in two thousand and five. Totally. You know, um, he, you know, the guy's done one hell of a lot um, for the show. And you, yeah, if, if they had screwed up, if that first episode and first series had screwed up that would have been that wouldn't it yeah it just never would have come back i don't think after that no and he has you know thanks to his you know leadership it's become the sort of like the tv um rating smash that it is now and i'd never thought i'd live to see the day i really didn't i thought when when it came back in 2005 it would just sort of have a bit of a quiet opening and, and that and it would just sort of settle back into its little niche um on the tv schedules again Never thinking it would actually dominate the TV schedules, and it was like you know the highlight of the of the year for millions of people again. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. So, only, oh well, lads, only a, only a couple of weeks to wait now, hopefully, and series seven starts. Yeah, September first, by the look of it. Yeah, is it September first now? It seems to be. Um, at Comic Con a couple of weeks ago, Matt Smith said August, but it's possible he was just referring to the. Uh, the BFI and Edinburgh TV festival screenings, but uh, the BBC America schedule and and BBC America dumping some money into the show and Mm. and doing all the promotion they do kind of has a bit of a say in things, I guess. But uh, the BBC America schedule for August 25th came out a few days ago and there's no sign of of Asylum of the Daleks on there. So it it looks like it's probably going to be September 1st. Oh, wow. Okay, well, you you heard it here second, folks, because you probably already mentioned that on your own shows, <laughs> which yes. is which is out out now as we as we speak. Um, oh, actually, that works out good for me actually because I'm not actually around on that weekend of the uh, of the 25th. Mm. So that's that's excellent. <laughs> that's some of the best all, news of any day. <laughs> it, 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 it all it all remains to be seen, of course. You know, until yeah. until the BBC makes the announcement one way or the other. Yeah, it's still it. speculation. Which yeah. you've been had a week before, mind you. <laughs> Should, yeah. yeah, a week or two. Yeah, yeah, knowing the BBC. So, uh, well, okay. I think are we are we sort of done with um, with Journey's End then? Yeah, I think so. I thought we was going to say are we done with Doctor Who after that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. Okay, yes, I think we're. Uh, I think well, so I've got nothing left to left to say. I'm sort of. It's been a long slog through this series for some reason. I don't know why. Series four for me. It's 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 such a strange animal because there are some elements of series four that are fantastic, like Donna, Donna being the big one. But uh, yeah. series four as a whole for me has always been, um, I don't know, mediocre. It, it's it's been there but not memorable. Uh, thanks to Pap, like the Doctor's daughter and the Sontaran <laughs> yeah. two-parter and yeah. Unicorn and the Wasp and even Planet of the Ood. A lot of people love Planet of the Ood. It's it's nothing to me. It's, it's a. I can't, honestly can't remember what, what, what we um, what we discussed I, I think, now. Actually, I but... think in in review we even actually didn't mind Unicorn and the Wasp now, did we? So I don't know whether we are we've become numb to this series as well. Yeah, poss- possibly, possibly. Doctor's Daughter, I can't defend. <laughs> it's I... indefensible. <laughs> I could not defend that one at all. Um, no, I hated that one. Absolutely hated it. Um, and to be quite honest, I wasn't such a big fan of. Um, actually, we, we weren't too kind to turn left either in certain points, were we? Um, no, in certain I, points, yeah. I'm didn't. quite surprised myself with that one. To be honest, I was quite. Um, I was. I was actually looking forward to rewatching that one again, and when it got come round to it, I was sort of a bit. Yeah, 
bit. I think it was the Billy Piper. I think that we just yes, certainly with me anyway. Yeah, and it was my turn last week to slag off Billy Piper. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> we've really had it in for for the last three episodes. So. It's like uh, it's like flashbacks to 2004 when her name was announced as the new companion, and and the media went wild with, oh, with vitriol about it. God, didn't they just? Didn't they just? Bloody hell! But actually, I didn't mind her in the first series. It's it's as she went on, it was just. I just sort of immediately started to uh, have a bit of a dislike for the character, and it's continued up until this day, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, well. anyway, Chris, thanks very, very much for, uh, for joining us today. Well, thank you and, for having me. No, and, uh, and revisiting this um, not very well-liked episode. This is the first time I've, I've watched it in three or three and a half years at least, and... I think that means I'm good for another three or three and a half years. Oh, that's good then. That's good. Oh, well. Well, <laughs> well as, as I think we were saying last week, because um, when this episode aired um, in the UK, I think it was the following week, they aired Stolen Earth and Journey's End as like a TV movie mm. on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and it was a massive rating success. And they obviously, obviously thought it was, it was such a success as to repeat it in its entire, to take up a whole afternoon of the BBC schedules um, to show it in its entirety. So, someone must, a, someone must have liked that's, it. That's a, that's a healthy contrast to Canada, where the the CBC, when it first aired Journey's End, uh, cut twenty odd minutes out of it so they could fit it into a sixty minute time slot with commercials. You're joking. No. Nope. <laughs> you sure that just wasn't editorial control? Someone actually just said, "No, come on, look." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they, they, the the CBC did the same thing with with Last of the Time Lords, which was what fifty fifty one minutes, something like that. They cut mm. they cut five or six minutes out to to fit it into a sixty minute time slot with commercials, and then they just did, I, I I never watched the CBC broadcast of of Journey's End to see what it actually looked like, but mm. it would have just been butchered. And as as terrible a story as it was, I think losing a you know a solid third of it would not would not help it at all. No, probably not. Actually, they did a Unless they cut out all Billy Piper. Just <laughs> that episode would just jump around all over the shop, then, wouldn't it? It'd be, <laughs> that'd be amazing to watch. <laughs> that really would be. I was just saying they did um, the one of the digital channels over here. Dave, uh, not Dave. Uh, what's it called? Watch. Sorry, Watch. watch yeah. yeah, when they aired um, End of Time Part Two, the amount they cut out of that to fit into an hour format, including uh, commercial breaks, and it actually made the episode work better. Mm. They um, they cut out basically all of um, the Doctor's rant when Wilf was locked um, in the glass cabinet in the radiation booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the thing you know, you know all, I could have done so much, but they cut all of that out. So they cut all the Doctor throwing a strop, and it cut out all of the Doctor's uh, saying goodbye to everybody. Oh, good. Yeah, and it just made it work. So he just he just said to Wilf, "Oh, you'll see me again." And then he turned up at Donna's wedding day. And it worked okay. so much better. It really did. Okay, you still got the rose goodbye, um, which was, unfortunately you couldn't um, miss out because that led up to his regeneration. But um, yeah, it, it, but it did. It, it worked. It was the one and only time I've seen something having the crap edited out of it, and it made it work better. <laughs> so <laughs> quite, quite the opposite of Ghostlight then. <laughs> Okay then, folks. Um, so, big thank you to um, big thank you to Chris for joining us this week. Um, next week we're having a bit of a break, aren't we, Paul? Yes. Yes. Um, just because we are both so bloody busy, um, we haven't got time to record next week. So, hopefully, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. So, um, there we go. Okay then, folks. So, it's goodbye from me, Phil. Goodbye from me, Paul. And goodbye from me, Chris. Goodbye. listen to the Who's Heat podcast, a proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show, please drop us an email at feedback at who's-he.co.uk and please also visit our website, 
which is at www.whos-he.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at whos underscore he underscore podcast.